Good morning, welcome back to another episode of Out of the Bubble and I hope you are all managing to keep positive during this really turbulent time. It's been such a roller coaster for lots of people, including myself, and I know I find it really quite stressful. Um, but I am really finding lots of inspiration from talking to some of these amazing women that I'm having on the podcast this series. So I hope each week I'm giving you a little bit of inspiration and motivation. This morning's guest is definitely one of these ladies that will leave a lasting impression on you, I'm sure. I met Rita Haraz a couple of years ago whilst I had the pleasure of modelling for her ethical clothing company, Mudra Collection. Uh, Rita is a um, ceremony holder, she's an ageless wisdom teacher, she is a visionary artist and is works around the world holding retreats for women um, to be able to help them refine themselves and reground themselves and become the person that they really feel they need to be. Rita has had such a varied um, direction to get to where she is now and to find her real true passion and purpose in life, which I believe strongly that she has now. So I'm looking forward to discovering more about this journey. Oh, hello. Thank you. It's lovely to have you on. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Really well. Hi. Hi. How have you been doing during all of this crazy times? Well, to be honest, it's been wonderful i have um really been grateful to come down and in which is what i feel that this whole lockdown has been about is to centralize and it's been really precious for being with my family i'm so grateful for that one of my i've got four children so one of my son's um my youngest son came and lived with us just before lockdown. So, you know, it's just been lovely. We've actually just yeah. come back from two weeks in, Ke- uh, no, sorry, t- 10, uh, a week in Kefalonia. Oh, lovely. In Greece as a family. So that was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. It's lovely. been it's super good. And I, I have got a lot of, um, you know, in terms of my life study, if you like, for the last 28 years, esoteric psychology and solar philosophy and ageless wisdom, it's really been very valuable to understand what's going on um, with this whole pandemic situation and the massive change that we're in as a species. Yeah, I mean, that's something that I really want to talk to you about on this on this podcast okay. about yeah. how, how the fact that I did see, I think I see one of your YouTube videos where you said that you actually the lockdown had really been something that you welcomed and, and had that chance to kind of recenter. Yeah. And, and I think that's a lot of people that will actually relate to that. I think it's something that a lot of people have found a real benefit. That's true. But I, I don't discount the fact that it's really unnerving and mm. creating a lot of anxiety and upsetting etc so yeah. if, if you know at some point we maybe get to talk about that yes. I'd love yeah. as well. yeah um, okay. but I think you are somebody that I really admire because you have definitely found your purpose and passion through life mm. and I know that you've had a really quite an extraordinary life in the career yeah. paths that you've done but at the center of it all is how I'm really fascinated how you've always being true to what was going on internally and being able to find your way out of it to kind of regroup and come back to what's really important to you. That's so true, Rachel. As you said that, I just had this surge and a shiver. It's that, you know, I have always been true to what's inside, but it's, Mm. it's been uncomfortable at times. And I just, that took me to the moment of being around 
think I must have been about 27. And I had built this business that was turning over half a million a year. Um, I, I was selling to Topshop, Selfridge, Miss Selfridge, all of these big, big conglomerates, Henny's, you know, um, I had about a staff of 25 and I had a multinational oil organization from Amman um, funding me, investing in me. And, and, you know, and I got to the point where my clothes were in vogue and Fashion Forecast International and I was regularly on breakfast TV. And I was pregnant with my younger son, uh, my, my second son. So he's 30 now, gosh. So anyway, there came a moment where I realized I was selling my soul and it was a really deep compromise. And I was being talked to like, just really badly from my investors, these Arab investors that talked to me, called me by my surname. They're just really rude to me. Mm. And um, and I had to walk away from my own business when I had been nominated as Woman Designer of the Year from, do you remember Woman magazine? Yeah, yes, I yeah. And so they'd nominated me in nine categories and I walked away from the whole thing. Wow. And began what now I now know to be a spiritual sabbatical, leaving the fashion industry and just, you know, that that was really, really a kind of um, portend, actually, because basically, I feel like many times I've been to the to the fire and had to burn away everything and then arise from that, like that phoenix energy. Yeah. And it's so interesting because I think I read somewhere that you actually knew that you wanted to get into the fashion industry from a very young age. So, so to get to that point would really be like a dream come true for most people. So then to get yeah. to that point and not have that real sense of fulfillment and inner, yeah. inner peace and to walk away yeah. from that is so brave. It's interesting. It was more like, um, it was actually this realisation. I remember being in Great Portland Street at one of my fabric suppliers and um and it was this moment of then looking and seeing that you know that I was on the same pages as Rifa Osbach and Catherine Hamnet and just recognizing that I had striven if that's such a word I that it was a striving to get to that and now that I was there it was like the feeling of the hungry ghost realm in Tibetan Buddhism mm -hmm. there was no fulfillment whatsoever and I realized wow this is not fulfilling at all it was a very uncomfortable period in my life, actually, and I'm so grateful that um, I got off of that ladder of that chasing and came inward. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and also, I think, um, am I right in thinking that your parents and your upbringing had a real influence on the fact that they were really supportive of you just being who you were and not That's having to kind of conform to what other people think you should be doing in life? Yeah, yeah, they never, that's so funny. They never felt they could push me in any direction. They never wanted to. They did just give me, they held me and they were generous. That was, that's what I could say. They never said, oh, we don't think you should be doing this or, you know, just actually very, just allowing, which is very unusual for an yeah. Indian father and a Lebanese mother. Yeah. I mean, gosh, I, I, really pushed the boundary with them because of you know I'm born in 63 so I'm 57 now and I was the first generation of 
women that were having children out of wedlock in a way. Yeah. I'm not proud of it. I don't think it's the right thing to do after years of reflection and seeing that, you know, basically children thrive when a mother and a father are present for them. And I somewhere went off kilter and had, you know, my first child, all, all of my children in a way, in that way that broke um, an aspect. So for a Hindu Indian man, for his daughter to be having a child that's not married and a black one, mm. I had a black son, you mm. know, like that was very different. And, yeah. but my father, I remember him really burning through his subconscious racism that's indoctrinated within the Hindu caste system mm. from the Brahmins being the highest and the darker skin you go being the lowest. Mm to bringing champagne and cakes to the hospital for the nurses in the celebration to, of um, his first grandson being born and then just letting that go. Yeah, that's really and wonderful. That, and that's so beautiful, isn't it? Yeah, and then it the moment, you know, my dad became like my best friend and I held him when he passed over. Yeah. And one thing that is like a beautiful feeling in my heart was how at the end of his life, um, after he'd passed, that we observed a traditional Hindu way of honouring the body mm. and honouring that person's life. And how my father, um, my son succumbulated my father doing mantras and offerings of rose petals. Um, so it, it was just very beautiful because in that moment I felt that in their black mixed afro-caribbean bloodline that they were in they were getting the transmission of the download of my father's hindu mm. one and and just seeing how lucky we are at this time that yeah. the races can be mixed and that everything you know we're we're at such a special time rachel aren't we that yeah. any one individual human being could go and sit with the aboriginal people or sit with the ayahuasca tribes in Peru or go and work with the highest level of Kala Chakra path with the Tibetan Buddhist monks from the Janang tradition. Mm. You know, like we, we can go to any sacred altar around the world and receive yeah. such, such blessings. And oh, whereas in previous lifetimes, we may have had to just spend that one life learning that one facet. Yeah, I think that's what that impresses me about you is that you have, it is like you've lived so many different lives in one and yeah. now you have encompassed all that you've learned about yourself through this journey to get to a place of real sense of purpose. How mm. do you describe yourself to people? How do you describe what you do to people? Well, I describe myself as a grandmother because in a way that says something that is encompasses everything you know it's like but you know that even though i could talk about me being a visionary artist that i've got clothes brand that's an ethical clothes brand and these are jewels from my heart you know like i really take that kind of yeah. even just seriously but it's an offering it's my offering to humanity to want to make people feel comfortable around themselves so i design in cashmere i design in bamboo so that women of all shapes and sizes can just feel they don't have to suck themselves into 
something tight and structured that they can just flow with their own lumps and bumps and feel good about themselves however they are and have color to nurture them so I could say all these outer things that I do but in a way I consider that being a mother and a grandmother means that actually I really care for each human being that each human being reaches their potential that's what sits in my heart and so some might call me like a wisdom keeper or um you know i teach ageless wisdom but i teach it from the perspective that i consider myself as a student not some guru and that i'm inviting people to come on a deep study so that they can access the tree of life from within themselves so that they can send basically the i consider the well it is considered in ageless wisdom in these very sacred teachings that our nervous system is actually the tree of life that helps us to know all from within that we don't need to go to some tarot reader on the outside that we can through self-reflection and stillness and harmlessness and loving kindness come to a point of being able to really understand everything from within and is this what you found when you did walk away from the fashion business when you did take that sabbatical to learn about yourself and to do meditation and to 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 learn yes is that what you really found during that period? um yes it was a strong purification process period it was really deep i had come across what i consider to be a living buddha who teaches about the laws of harmlessness about the stages of waking up there are three main stages of our wake-up process and that first stage that i was in at the time was in the stillness being able to hear your mind and be able to um recognize that actually how interesting there's this program that we've all got that is judging ourselves comparing ourselves Mm and putting ourselves down and being in self-doubt and therefore judging others and comparing ourselves to others. It's a whole thing. Mm. You know, that first stage of waking up is is really deep. I mean, basically I, I could go into it from the chakra level, but yes, to answer your question more succinctly, in that first moment when I came inward it was it was massive. I started to feel this soaring of energy in me, what people call Kundalini rising, this my life force energy rising up, 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 and becoming like a fountain of creativity and um, feeling all this healing energy coming out of me and a connection with the earth that was stronger than ever. I suddenly realized, oh my God, the land breathes. So imagine I was a city London girl who, you know, out there raving and being your general. I had quite an extraordinary life up to that point, doing like hosting parties for um, all sorts of like movies that were being launched and, you know, up there in the clothing industry. And, um, but to walk away and then just come into simplicity so now in simplicity, I, I'd sold all my designer clothes, given the money to charity, burnt everything that was black in my wardrobe, came to live in Glastonbury wearing white clothes with two of my children. I had two at that point, 
and literally lived in this deep meditation cut off from my what I consider my personality life I even burnt all my portfolios Rachel oh wow yeah burnt like all my all the you know being in vogue being yeah. in all of this stuff let it all go and came with this emptiness and uh, and also had become a cleaner rather than somebody earning a hundred pounds an hour mm. and um, doing that as a karma yoga cleaning of myself clearing you know like just clearing energy and learning and I really feel what a beautiful foundation because it went from looking to see what I could take for myself which is the unawakened state mm. to what I could give in each moment what I could give freely from my heart and I can also from what you're saying I can imagine that you you came to a place where regrets didn't enter into your mind the things that you'd given away and you'd gone oh no past where that can really eat up a lot of people in society can't it looking back and regretting things and and it's really quite tying so really imagine it's really a beautiful place to get to where you don't have those regrets no regrets on that level mm. there was the um if anything, I just felt like everything was a blessing. But what did trouble me over the years was this pain because I realized that in my unconsciousness that I had been harmful, as in having these children that just didn't have fathers in their lives. Mm. And that was a deep reckoning within myself and a lot of deep inner work to look and understand. Why would I, being a spiritually intelligent person, from you know quite a heightened state of awareness since being a young child mm. how could i have got myself into that and it wasn't until about two years ago in a very very deep meditation where i just went to this realization that actually i feel like i did this somewhere from my subconscious to entwine myself in the suffering of what is here in this age of not being in right relationship mm. so that I could be holding that like place in my heart infused with the suffering of humanity of every mother that worries about if her child's taking drugs or not mm. you know like because it's a big thing on the planet yeah. and and I feel like I'm enmeshed in that energy of what's here on earth and, and therefore carry that in my prayers, in my meditation on a daily basis mm -hmm. for all young people. Mm -hmm. The amount of young people, Rachel, that are committing suicides from taking drugs and feeling disconnected. There's, there's so much. I, I feel like I really want to lift that situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's so true. And I think now more than ever, it's, it's yeah. it'll become a crisis. Yeah. yeah. So when you got to this place um, where you really did feel um, like, content in your inner self but obviously the the reality of life is that we have bills to pay and we have to to keep yeah. jobs you started um seriously scrumptious when yeah. you when you started that did you go back did you put yourself out there i guess in the world thinking it would be as big as it turned out to be or did you just do it to kind of fulfill a smaller need at first and then it just escalated yeah thank you for that question so like I'll start from the beginning with it. So I was never a cake making type of person. Mm. And how it really started was I was doing my little cleaning job, earning £4.50 an hour. 
and um, just really getting to clear that I cannot manage my bills right now. And um, I was paying £2.25 in childcare. My third child was about a year old at this point, Shiloh. So he's, tw he's 24 now. Um, and I was just about to pick him up from Montessori and I just suddenly craved this chocolate cake that I'd made I had had been given in my pregnancy and I'd only ever made once I, I got given it just about two weeks before I had Shiloh and it was ground almond Belgian chocolate yeah. and it was really scrumptious yeah. and um, so I went into this coffee shop that sold vegan chocolate cake and for some reason I thought not that I was vegan but I really thought that this cake was going to be the same and it was so dry and so disgusting it was I was really surprised and I thought do you know what maybe that cake costs me six pounds to make. What about if I offered to sell it to them for 12 pounds and they could sell it for two pound 50 or two pound 75 a slice and sell 14 slices? They'd be happy and I'd be be better than me making two pound 50 an hour and I could be doing this from home. Yeah. So I offered this to them and they said, thank you. And um, and basically they said, oh, it was really popular. Can you make some other things, pavlovas, etc., etc." and so this all started and it was fun it was creative i could do it between breastfeeding literally and feed my kids it was in my rhythm and um but then one one day i looked at the cakes and i went wow these these are like almost like jewels these should not just be in pubs in bath and bristol and locally mm -hmm. and restaurants I should be selling these to Selfridges and Harrods and they need to be out there, you know. So that's that's where the, I went with this. And um, it was amazing, the flow of it. It wasn't easy work because often I would be on my feet from four in the morning till 11 at night. And of course, in that, you know, my children didn't see me nearly enough. So it wasn't like it was balanced. Yeah. So you're getting, um, yeah, you're getting, you found yourself in a position where to some it's like a dream to have, you know, your cakes were in Harrods and Selfridges restaurants and, you know, to lots of people that would be, wow, amazing. But you were still in a place where it, it wasn't that right balance for you. It wasn't. And it was a world within a world that was actually my ego's creativity. Mm. So, and it wasn't, I could never meet, seem to make it profitable. I was always in this deficit and it's a bit like sugar itself. It gives you a quick high, doesn't it? And then you feel depleted. It's not good for us. Yeah. And I didn't understand that, but I had this canvas to create beauty on. And I did start them, you know, training this, like people that had never made cakes before in Glastonbury and they were called Seriously Scrumptious Made in Love and I put so much love into them and it was felt. I was even um, invited to pioneer food shopping on QVC and doing like sell-out cake shows with £45,000 worth of cakes in half an hour. I mean, which is just outstanding, it's amazing. It is, but then... So in the in the whole build up of the cake business from the beginning to the end, I um, I had met this beautiful man that's uh, really you know held me and helped me with my sons and helped me with the business and he's a, he was a yogi and we walked a spiritual path together we meditated together and um, he really supported me in the building of it building my patisserie everything. But I got myself into loads of debt and I needed to 
um, raise like 200,000 into the business to take it to the next level. Mm. And anyway, to cut a long story short there, in the course of it, he died of a road traffic accident. And that was another benchmark moving really deep, kind of bringing me deeper into myself. Mm. Um, and now being a single parent of four children, because my daughter was five months old, our daughter Gosh. together. So it was really strong. And I was going to walk away from Seriously Scrumptious on that day, you know, after he died. Yeah. And the policeman who was responsible to sort of help me integrate the process, like, you know, get me to the hospital to be there whilst he was leaving his body um, and to come and collect all my belongings. You know, they, they appointed yeah. this person to find me even. Um, and he said to me, from what you've told me about Jeremy, he would not want you to have built this up over seven years. So work so hard and then just leave it and walk away. And so where I was going to, because I was so upset with um, an investor that I'd taken on board that, you know, it was just a mess from start to finish. Mm. I got now into personally into 150,000 pound debt. Yeah. You know, like that, that was a burden. So, yeah. Yeah, really big stuff. And um, so I did this deal. I I was, you know, everything has always come to me, Rachel, in the very moment of anything I need, it's just there in front of me. So somebody had put an article through my door saying that a company in London, one of the city corps, uh, was looking for niche food businesses to, to basically buy into as part of a PLC. Mm. And... I contacted them and said, look, this is my situation. This is, these are all my blue chip accounts that, you know, like from Centre Parks to QVC to Harrods, Selfridges, mm. Harvey Nichols, all of that. And, you know, this is what I'm turning over, but I, I really need proper investment. And I've got um, an awkward situation with somebody who's invested that I would like her to be bought out. And are you interested and they literally called me back the next day saying please come up mm. to our offices and um that just even that journey was like four hours in solid rain of maybe three weeks or four weeks after my partner had died with my baby in the car and i said to them look i'm going to be bringing my baby she's going to be breastfeeding and I'll bring cakes if somebody can come and help me mm. to park the car, you know, like all of this, because it was in the city. And there I go up to this meeting and I bought the investor because I told her to meet me there because I wanted to do a deal to buy her out yeah. because she'd reneged on everything we'd said and been really <laughs> difficult and unpleasant. And um, it was one of those powerful moments where they bought everybody from all the offices to see these cakes because they were like jewels and mm. extraordinary and tasted as good as they look. And they said to me, look, even if we don't do a deal, we would pay you 100,000 a year to be our product development because your product development's like 22 of our product development team in yeah. this in memory lane cakes. And I was like, oh, thank you. And anyway, so. I did that deal. We bought her out. I went into it. 
And it was the first time that I'd been in a tight, like this tight structure. I'm like a very feminine woman that's in my flow, living in those principles of flow, spontaneity and naturalness. Mm. And suddenly I was in one board meeting after another and everything was like this tight bureaucratic a system, a structure that they couldn't stand me, like, because I did these things very naturally. And 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 successfully as well and they that somehow was uncomfortable so for instance um waitrose they wanted me to do a deal with waitrose and um they said they're going to introduce it because they did about 12 million pound a year business with waitrose mm. so i go in and they like loved the cakes and did you know gave me the christmas cake order mm. and now we had to learn how to from handcrafted cakes put them on a conveyor belt my whole team were having to do this it, it was really difficult actually on every level it was just we were coming out of our ethos of making our cakes with love and having to do them in a different way and my Glastonbury team were just like what are we doing this isn't yeah. isn't love and this doesn't feel good working in this horrible factory and you know, like that we were in the middle of building our factory and our factory wasn't ready, but our factory was amazing. Mm. Anyway, to cut a long story with that, th this was probably one of the most painful things in my life, They and most needed as well, bless, you know, I see how it was a blessing, but they sacked me. They oh. sacked me from my own business once they'd got all my recipes and all my blue chip accounts. Mm. They just basically did the dirty. Oh and goodness. because I had put seven years of my blood and leaving my children mm. in the morning and, you know, like, you know, all of that to build this business. So that was a huge wake up at that time to then just, you know, and then it did go to court. It, no, we, we didn't quite go to court. My solicitor really wanted me to take them to court, but I did a deal which was rubbish by very bad advice. And it was like a pile of dust, you know, and it was a, it was another one of those massively deep lessons in my life. And it seems to me that at that time, you must have also been grieving for your partner. Oh my and, God. But then you've, got, then you've got grieving for... The business and that life exactly. that you'd built up. Yeah, that's so true. That very the day of the the um, um, anniversary of his first year of dying, I was. They wouldn't let me not have that day off. I had to be in a board meeting. Yeah. I was just so much in pain of just realizing I sold out. I sold out, and it was a very deep lesson to me I've gone through these you know I've I see I created it and I'm grateful for all of it though but it was strong I was in deep grief but I'm so, grateful for that too because deep grief carves you open to be able to hold space for another and I guess that's that's what I do everything I do now in my life yeah. is so fulfilling I I feel like I'm literally in what's called a wish fulfilling jewel tree every day I have an amazing day you have such a beautiful way of words, Rita. You just you, you create such beautiful images of, of <laughs> your words. It's lovely to talk to. So when you're working now on the things that you absolutely love doing, not just the clothing, but obviously the women's retreats, and, yeah, and you know your your kind of the, the ceremony holding and yeah, 
Are you now a place where you just feel at peace with your life now without that need to, to kind of investigate other things and try new businesses? Yes. yes, I feel in this deepest, deepest inner completion mm. with nowhere to go, like no high, no low, like mm. just steady in union with, with, with the creator. Like it's a very spiritual fulfillment where it's not religious and yet I feel the grace of the Christ in my heart. I, I have feel like I've accessed Buddha nature from within. Yeah. You know, I have the reverence for Krishna and Babaji and White Eagle and all aspects of the one yeah. and, um, and the great mother. You know, our physical form is is really an embodiment of the mother. So I feel unified internally, and then I can hold space for people, which is what I do, both men, women. Um, I do women's retreats. I've sometimes done men's retreats. I do couples retreats, and I do mixed retreats all around the world. And holding space for people to dive deep, go into the pain and purify themselves, feel really like to come to an at where they are connecting directly with the creator spirit, the great spirit, the Native Americans would call it, and making their relationship with the beloved internally so that they can come to peace. Hmm. I think there's a real need for that in society that these days. I think there's been a real shift in people really wanting to get that connection. And I yeah. think... I mean, I, I've turned 50 this year and I definitely have this yearning now to discover my spiritual side and I'm to know afraid. more. And it's not something that, that has been in me before. So I don't know what's changed, whether it's an age thing or it's, it's looking ahead to the years I have left here. It, I don't know what it is, but it strikes me that at an age, maybe when you do turn over 40, that there is that need to find that deeper connection. What age group of people do you deal with? Is it a real mix? You know, it's very interesting you ask that because I was just going to say, I have young people who've got lost on their way from like 16, 17, 18. I, they generally, I will let them come for free where I can. Um, then quite a lot of people in their mid-20s to late-20s and loads and loads over, and lots in their 30s, but also lots in their 50s and 60s, 40s, mm. 50s, 60s. And, and in relation to what you just said, Rachel, I feel that all of humanity right now can feel the signs. These are the signs that it's like, it's, it would look like anybody who's read the Bible would look and say, oh my God, is this judgment day? Yeah. You know, this is the time where there is a reappearance of the Christ, actually. And I say this not in this religious way, but in the way that it's this is prophesied where we are right now. There's plagues like in I was in Kenya in March where the locusts travel a mile wide, eating 200 kilos of vegetation. per. I can't remember if it was per hour or per minute, but it's a lot. Yeah. And you know this whole covid thing to me is symptomatic of cause and effect of our negligence and unconsciousness as a race and our karmic reality of where there's a big there's an enormous amount of light coming in 
from that Christ field. That's how I see it. It's an enormous amount. And each of us are like, it's like we're being shook from within to say, you need to get your house in order. You need to make your alignment. You need to put your roots deep into the earth and you need to find your center right now because things are, it's like a birth when the contractions are getting really tight and you're being squeezed, powering up for this birthing process because there's a massive awakening happening yeah. in humanity. Yeah, it really is. I don't know, you can see it across the world. You can see the conversations that people are having right across the world. That, that exactly. It has allowed us time, I guess, to reflect and and think about how we live our how we live our lives on and, every and level. The, from yeah. How much how much pl plastic we're using? All of it, yes. doesn't it? I've yeah. gone all shivery, by the way, as we're speaking about this because it is it's such a profound time. Like when I first started running my retreats eleven years ago. And in a way, I've been in this study for this since my late 20s. I'm 57 now. And um, it's like I feel like I've been, and so many people, been in preparation for this moment. And 11 years ago, it was only really people quite spiritually aligned that were coming to the retreats, whereas now it's mainstream. You wouldn't believe how mainstream it is. I've been recently working with like multi-millionaires and billionaires you know like every walk of life the crack addict the prostitute the nurses the doctors mm. every walk of life people want to connect to their spirit and find their alignment to the one to feel the presence of the one to be able to distinguish the difference internally of the silent witness that's watching our lives rather than the mental body thinking or the emotional body feeling mm. that's our connection with spirit and how have you found the lack of connection during the covid time and during lockdown because obviously you've been very centered with your family which i know has been really wonderful for you but you strike me as somebody that really does need those physical connections with other people how did that affect well you? to be honest it's I was very grateful for the very first part of the lockdown of the just coming in and not going out. I needed it. I needed a rest. I've traveled a lot. Mm. I do often run two retreats a month and, you know, it's been a strong few years. So that from March until whenever we were out of the lockdown, um, I've already got um, my son and his wife and two grandchildren live on the flat below the house that I live in. So it's like a big six bedroom house. And then this one son um, who's 23 had come back to live, 24. And then my daughter and her boyfriend. So I had a very full house, full stop, you know, like, yeah. it's like, oh my gosh, I wish I could have lots of space, you know, <laughs> on some level. And, um, but, but I just, actually, I've been running quite a lot of online events and, um, and it, it occurred to me early in the beginning of the lockdown that we're coming into the age of Aquarius. And age of Aquarius is all about the age of technology and telepathy. Oh, right. We're in the dawning of this time. It's a 2000 year period. Mm -hmm. And that we are really being prepared to work telepathically. And in a way, this is the preparation moment for that, of how to unify atomically on the inner planes so i've been showing people how to do that and it's been like mind-blowing so i've been um 
bringing prayers and teachings on lots of events where there's 10,000 people and loads of them are my friends. And so I'm getting to see a lot more people than I would see, you know, I have not been missing the external connection. And actually I have had some um, meetings. I was asked to open a festival um, called Medicine 2020 that was a licensed festival last month, actually, August. Um, so I did an opening prayers and we sang round the fire and we practiced social distancing to a degree. Um, but I also went to um, another festival that I was also given talks to where it wasn't licensed and it was absolutely amazing. And um, the police came with like eight vans and they but they didn't want to lock it down. They just said, look, guys, just make sure there's no music after midday, yeah. midnight rather. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, but I, I, I was kind of like at the end of lockdown feeling like, I'm not sure I'm ready to go back into the way things were. Mm. All that rushing around. And yeah. um, I, I like this moment a lot. I call it the great pause. Mm-hmm. And it feels like a beautiful, beautiful moment for us to come in reflect and get our house in order each of us literally on that level yeah i know there's lots of aspects i've definitely enjoyed and i started doing a lot more podcast interviews using zoom during lockdown and before i would always be traveling and rushing to get to somebody on time so then when you do the interview you're slightly stressed and on edge because you're worried about the train back and this this means i can fully be present when i'm interviewing somebody i'd be and i think i probably had better connections actually even though it's not face-to-face, which has really surprised me. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Mm. Well, if you think of, you know, there is, I I feel like in a way the internet, I had this vision actually, it was in a medicine ceremony um, a couple of years ago, working with uh, a tribe from Brazil. And what I got shown was that the internet was created from the trees. We could think that we've created it, but actually it works like, the connection and the network from the trees. It's come from the forest. It's inspired to help us to connect and have um, the ability, like each and every person, like you've got your own channel. You can, people can have their power through this, mm. even though it can be misused. I just watched Social um, Dilemma. Oh, I've got to watch that this weekend. Strong, yes. strong. Mm. It yeah. can be misused. Yeah. But, you know, that brings me to something really important, Rachel. The very core of what brings me a place of peace is the recognition through really deep study that actually there really is a divine plan that's unfolding. So many people could look at this time as a disaster and um, that it's wrong and go into this battle with the government and this rebellion energy that we can feel is rising. Mm. But actually, I see that no, we are free and that no government, no one human, no dark force can stop the freedom of uh, the progress of evolution of humanity's consciousness. And actually what's unfolding is a stronger divine plan. They say in Ageless Wisdom that the age of Aquarius is ruled by this incoming, what's called the seventh ray, of cosmic divine order and ceremonial white magic. So where things have been chaotic, 
and difficult and misunderstood, what we're going into is a time within the golden age that um, the Tibetans talk about the Kala Chakra and give the teachings of the Kala Chakra. I'll just show it to you so you can know what I'm talking about. This is the mandala of the Kala Chakra. Right. Wow. And it's a template from Shambhala where there's this place really that exists called Shambhala where Buddhas and Bodhisattvas, there's 960 million cities of people who are in this inner completion of their Buddha nature, in absolute fulfillment, there's no need for money and they all live in peace. Mm. And we are being imbued with this inspiration to how to come to our own inner completion, how to go through these different three stages of waking up where we come into right relationship with our sexual energy, we get off the emotional treadmill where we're in this place of being in blame, the victim, the irritation, the agitation, the separation, the hatred, the aggression, all of those places that keep us locked on this wheel of self-pity, all of it, mm. to, to be woken up, to have developed the love, the wisdom and the compassion to put ourselves into another person's shoes until we eventually go beyond duality of seeing things in separation through these two eyes we look through this single eye. Mm. That's what the teachings of the Buddha, the Christ, Krishna, all along, all the great masters have all been saying the same thing. And we are in the beginning of that time on earth right now. That's what this awakening is, that we come into an at-one-ment. And you've obviously spent years learning about this and, and cre you know, creating your own journey. Along the way, I wonder what's the best piece of advice that you've been given that has really kind of steadied you through all this yes. journey? Thank you. Well, the, the core of what activates us to come to our inner completion is harmlessness. Looking, really reviewing, was that action exchange with somebody in the supermarket as you got your groceries or walking past that homeless person was there a energy of judgment and discarding or are we being harmless how are we in our relationship with our lover are we in a passive aggression power struggle how are we with our children are we cloaking them with our insecurities and putting a veil around them to make them feel bad about themselves all the time like that's just one level of coating that's so subtle within humanity. So the law of harmlessness is apparently a hundred thousand times more difficult than being harmful. But it's harmlessness that turns our chakras to become radiant and clockwise as opposed to the sucking of other people's energy. Mm. So the, that's the core message from these teachings that come from the Christ, come from the Buddha, is to how to develop compassion and be harmless, mm. that makes the change. And to do that, we need time to self-reflect and have stillness, which is why I think COVID's a blessing. Yeah. Because we've got, things have been shaken up, the carpet was pulled from under our feet, and we have to, if we've got any sense, take time to go in, feel the pain, go through the grief, and, and bless it all and make and call upon the creator to hold us because every one of us has got a solar angel that is 
presides over us from the beginning of time, from all of our incarnations. And, you know, is there for us if we just still ourselves to open to the presence of this light, we we would just begin, We it would really fast track our spiritual awakening. Hmm. I, I wonder if now that you've, you do mudra closing, which is just yeah. beautiful, I, I, that, you know, I was delighted to mudra closing, the closing <laughs> fantastic. But because you are so grounded now in, in everything that you've learned, when you decided that you were going to set this next fashion business, because fashion is obviously in your blood and it's your creativity, yeah. it unleashes the creativity in you. But did you come to a much more peaceful place when you set this business up? You know, well, no, I went through my phases. So um, basically, it happened literally after my partner died. So one Tibetan Rinpoche asked a friend of his, like who had met me once, to come and see me and to see if I need anything. So I have a very deep relationship with the Tibetan monks and lamas and Rinpoches. And, you know, I've hosted them here in Glastonbury and I just, you know, it's a lineage I'm very strong with. And anyway, she came and she talked to me about Kashmir and said to me, look, it takes color really well. Um, I would, and the craftsmen in Nepal, you know, I want to help them. That's what she said. And I, when I looked into it, I saw, oh my gosh, I could do this. I could really help them. And that's how I began going back into it mm. and realizing that actually I'd love to create a collection that fits my much bigger body now that I'm 40 and um, have been eating a lot of cakes and had my fourth child. And, um, and that's comfortable and um, is imbued with color because I love color and I wanted to bring color therapy clothing. And then I, of course, went in the wrong way to begin, which was getting investment from outside because I had no money. I'd had this 150,000 pound debt and went bankrupt, chose to go bankrupt. So I had to really unravel the karma of all of this unconsciousness. But over the years, I realized that what I want to create with Mudra is I'm not going to be selling it to designer stores. I started off by selling to Galleries Lafayette and all these design stores, but it made it so expensive that my friends couldn't wear it. And I designed it for my friends. I want everyone to be able to wear it if they're a spiritual person, because they nourish your etheric field, these clothes. You know, they everyone feels like this quality of light. They're very... They're breathable, they're soothing to to the skin. So, and also in supplying these designer stores and big companies, that puts pressure on my suppliers. Then it starts becoming this whole thing of 90 days to get paid and the whole thing goes out of balance. That's the whole of the industry is born on that. And then they play games with you of saying, oh, that jumper came in an inch shorter. We need to cut the price by this or something. Um, so I thought, you know what, I'm just going to do this in a sort of small way in my flow that I'm never taken out of being in my alignment. So I don't go into stress. I won't. And so that's became the premise of this. No stress with the business. You know, I feel, don't get me wrong. In the first few years, I did stress. Yeah. And but then I got no, look, Rita, don't go back. You can't mm. stay that this is in your flow at your pace and that you're not doing all this deadline stuff. We could all learn so much from that. So many people out there chasing something. Chasing, that actually, yes. That actually 
they don't need to do, that, that it's not what it seems. So, so Mooja today, I've never really paid myself a wage out of it at all. And it's not, it's doing well now because we finally really, thankfully to God, I've got this amazing business partner that's super grounded and really brings structures Scooby. But um, it's, it's going well online and every day we're building more that way. Mm. And um, eventually I do pray that I can take a living out of it because I'd really like to do my retreats work as not for profit. Yeah. I just, I'm in this outpouring. I really, this very last week, just tuning into the way that monks and nuns live. And I know that I've been, you know, in that lineage from previous lives and just, I don't need to own anything. What you see when you watch people that die is they can't take anything material with them. Mm. And I that really struck me after Jeremy died. Mm. It was just like, you can't take anything material. The only thing you can take after this lifetime is the merit that you've accumulated through your good deeds, words and actions. And so I just really want to give, and I do, and I love being generous. And so in that way, I don't own my house. I do live comfortably, but I love to give as it comes in. And it feels good. And um, yeah, so yeah, I'm grateful. So Mudra is like, I've, I'm always inspired. I've got so many more designs. I want to create this amazing silk kaftan collection with mandalas and beautiful sacred things on it and i'm just you know i have to be very patient with mudra because i can't keep doing loads of designs because there's a structure that has to you know you can do a certain amount of new things a year but i i do i feel like i'll continue to do this till i leave my body because i love helping women to feel good about themselves. Rachel, I just quickly tell you this story. When I was four years old, my auntie, my Lebanese auntie called Auntie Beauty said to me, I don't want you to worry. She said it in Arabic. I didn't understand it, it was translated. She said, I don't want you to worry. When you're 18 years old, I'm going to pay for you to have a nose job. And so I'm just like, what? And then realized afterwards, and which became a really big thing of insecurity that I yeah, had this I big yeah. nose. Yeah. And that I was so ugly, I needed to have an operation when I'm 18. And in, and then by the time I was seven, when I was called a wog at school, and, and I then noticed that, oh yeah, I have different color skin. And I came home and I said, because they said, to, I said, what does that mean, a wog? And they said, you should ask your mum. And I went and asked my mum, my Lebanese golden skinned, olive skinned mother. She didn't know, but my uncle who was there did. And he said to me what it meant. And then I was like, I don't want to be brown. I want to be white. And they said, my uncle would say, what's nicer, a brown egg or a white egg? And I said, a white egg. And it wasn't till I was like 14 where I loved my color and I was so grateful for this beautiful golden color and that, you know, but by that point I'd got terrible acne and just felt like an apology to exist because I thought I was so ugly. And that's in a way why I love to beautify women because I understand their insecurities. Yeah. And, and it just gives me so much pleasure to help a woman feel good about herself in what she's wearing and to be able to express her inner radiance outwardly. That's what my whole clothing is about. Yeah. And I never think of it as a fashion label because I did fashion. This is not about that. This is about you having 
um, an opportunity to choose clothes that feel really good for you with your own creativity. It's not like a look that's being imposed on you. It's mm. like you can wear this this way or this way and you can team it with this. And everyone gets their own individual creativity with it, but in colours that suit them. Yeah. Yeah. And I think so many women can relate to that as well. The fact that, you know, we've all been there, we have had those feelings. So the fact that you're there, it, it, you encompass that in all you do, in all your work, in the retreats, in the clothing, it's it's just really beautiful. I, I've just enjoyed talking to you so oh, much, Rita. It's been an absolute pleasure. One more last question that I ask all the yeah. guests, because I think women particularly are really bad at accepting compliments about themselves mm -hmm. and what if you could give yourself one compliment what would it be oh. Oh. i sometimes when i catch seeing myself i i feel my sweetness this sweetness that comes through that just loves all beings yeah. i want the best for all beings and i i feel my heart so I don't know how that translates into a compliment, but it makes me feel tearful of just, it's like feeling this innocent being that just wants to lift humanity and has the sincerest of care. Beautiful. Thank you so much for sharing Thank that. Thank you so much. How can people find out about you, Vito? I think the best thing is to go onto my website, www.ritaharays.com. Um, I'm doing sometimes online immersives um, so that I can share these teachings in more depth. And I do have a YouTube channel where you, I'm going to be working on it more, but there's a fair amount of content yeah. already. And on Facebook Lives uh, as well, I do regular Facebook Lives to share different wisdoms to uplift and hold space for people to feel that they can make that alignment to the one. Well, thank you so much. And I'll put all the links onto the show thank notes you. as well, but it's been thank absolute, you. just a pleasure to spend some time with you today. Oh, so you too, Rachel. Thank you very much for sharing your story. Many yes, thank you. Thank you so Bye. much. Bye. Well, what a fabulous talk that's been with Rita. I have definitely come away feeling a lot calmer and uh, with lots to think about. So I hope you found that some inspiration to you and if you'd like to find out more about Rita and her beautiful clothes then go and check out the mudracollection.com you can also find her on social media and um, you can find her on Instagram Mudra Collection on Facebook Mudra Collection UK and on YouTube you can look up Rita Haraz that's H-R-A-I-Z I'll put all the show notes at the end of this as well I will be back next week. Um, if you're enjoying this podcast, please share them with your friends. Tell everybody about it. The more women we can reach to share our stories, then the better. And you can find me on the uh, outofthebubblepodcast.com, on my new website. And you could also leave me a review on other podcasts. That would be amazing. Um, I really enjoy doing this. It's a real passion project for me. So the support I get from followers is just fantastic. And I've been really um, blown away by people that have been supporting me this year. I've had lots of new downloads and viewers. So thank you so much for your support. And I will be back next week with um, some more inspiration for you. But in the meantime, keep being fabulous. <laughs>